Hello, everyone, and welcome to take two of episode 29 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me on today's cast are my two lovely co-hosts, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. And Dan. Ladies. All right, everyone. Uh, You may be wondering, where have we all been? Uh, It's been a little while, and we actually ran into some technical difficulties recording this episode last time. I had some trouble with my file, and we were unable to recover it, so here we are doing a second recording. So, if you missed us, we appreciate it, and here's the episode you've been looking for. Uh, We have some cool stuff lined up for everyone today. We are going to do a take two of Top of the Stack for September and review how we did with August. We're going to chat about some games that have been collecting dust. And if you didn't know, we are officially at the one-year mark of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers, so we are going to do some year one trivia to round out the show. But before we get into any of that, we are going to do a little bit of chatting about what we've been playing. So Tiff, what's up? Well, (laughs) I've been on like a gaming hiatus since school started, but I finally have gotten back into, we got Board Game Club started, and started going to a local game store for game night, so I've been playing a little bit more. One of my recent Blender videos was about import games, so I forced a couple of kids to play Glastonbury with me. This game is kind of a hard-to-find one. It took a while for me to track it down, but it's a remake of an older German game called Kupferkessel, and it's about witches collecting ingredients into their cauldrons. You set up these cards into a gigantic grid, all these different ingredient cards, and you have a big old witch pawn that you're moving on the outside of that grid. And wherever you stop, you have to take an ingredient from the column or row that you've landed on and put it into your cauldron. That card will have a number on it that determines how far you get to go on your next turn. So it's pretty simple, and the kids I played with liked it a lot, and I continue to enjoy it. So these weren't the kids that like lost their recess or their gym opportunity and had to stay with you and play games? It shouldn't be a punishment. Gaming should not be a punishment. I'm just saying Glastonbury. Is it that fun? It is. I mean, if you could look at the art of it, it has all these gross ingredients. Like there's a jar full of eyeballs. So that's something that kids love get into. Gross, gross stuff. stuff yeah. We talk a lot about how all sixth grade boys have the cooties. I remember when I had it. Yeah. It's a rough couple Tough years. Times. Yeah. Well, cool. So one that's sticking around in your collection. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've had it for a while, and I it, it was nice to have an excuse to get it out and play. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, one of the games that I have been playing, this is a bit unique. This game is called Armello, and this is a game that we, uh, as the league, were approached to review, and why it's unique is that it's actually a digital board game. So... Like I said, Armello, it's available on Steam and PS4, and Biff and I have been playing this a whole bunch. It is basically a adventure-style fantasy board game. Um, It's got a hex map, you draw cards, you roll dice, complete quests, um, and your goal is to... There's four different victory conditions, but they all relate to taking over the throne from this dying king. Um, And it's actually pretty cool. You know, I was excited about it. Um, because you don't see a lot of digital board games that are uniquely digital. You know, you see some of the ports and with things like Tabletop Simulator and things like that, a lot of games are being ported over to digital versions, but this is a solely digital board game. Definitely one to check out. It's got a little bit of a high price point 
for a digital game it's twenty dollars but it, the production value is fantastic it's got a lot of interesting stuff um, you can check out our review coming out soon uh, on the website nonsensegoalgamers.com but it is one that I think the board gaming community can actually get behind um, definitely worth checking out if that interests you if you have a PlayStation 4 or a computer that can run it Dan what have you been playing um, a lot which is cool uh, we had our I guess this is our third crockpot game day which is where all of us here in Maryland unfortunately Tiff doesn't live in Maryland she's oh. chosen to live in Ohio for some reason um, but we don't fault her yeah, we don't fault her. I was her. born here. Oh, we don't fault her? Sorry. No, we just make fun of her. I just didn't get very far. Oh. <laughs> so close, Tiff. You could have been there. Listen okay. to all these cool games you could have played. You know, what we do is we all get together and we bring a crockpot dish. So we all are very fond of our crockpots and we like making things in them. I am not very good at it, but I still enjoy it because it's very little effort. <laughs> and that Dan is... made Asian lettuce wraps. I did. So, again, we all, like, bring a dish, and then we just game for, I don't know, this time we went for about 14 hours or so. There was six or seven of us. Um, and we also, we built in a little business. We had a little, uh, what we call the League Summit, where we kind of just reorganized and set our path for the next year or so on the site and what we want to do. So what we play, Dan? We played a lot. So one of the games that stood out uh, for a couple of reasons was... Steve's copy of Steampunk Rally. This is a new Kickstarter that he received, I guess, in the last week or two. It is a racing game where you are constructing um, this fantastical contraption as a famous inventor of the past, and you're going to be racing these contraptions around this course. Each round starts out with a draft, so you're going to have the opportunity to draft new parts for your vehicles, obtaining dice to activate these different elements in your vehicle and then there's also these like special action cars that let you do certain things that either break a rule or just aid in your your race my favorite part was the dice mechanic though um, which utilizes like different colored dice there's three colored dice and the different parts of the machine that you can put onto your contraption require certain colored dice to fuel them and by placing dice onto these parts um, they activate them. Um, some activate by just placing a die. Others activate by dividing by the number of pips to give you certain amount of activations. Um, and all sorts of things. And these trigger things like movement, defense, and, and a whole wide array of other things. So I, I was pleasantly surprised by this. Um, when he got it out, I was like, oh boy. Because there's like I don't know. Oh, man. It looks fun. Hey, Tiff. It has theme. Oh, Tiff. More theme than all the games you've been playing. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> it's not right to kick a lady when she's down. Yes, that's true. Dan. I was, I'm trying to tell you that I enjoyed this game, and you're saying that I'm not, I'm not fun. So, like, he poured out, and it was like, I don't know, 60 dice? And I was like, oh, crap. This is going to be miserable. <laughs> but, again, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised. It the the placement of the dice, the manipulation, kind of the the comboing of the different parts of your machine using the dice, it was it was very satisfying. I was I was pleasantly surprised. My my one gripe with it is it plays up to eight players. We played six, and I would never play six again. It was just entirely too slow for a race game. I mean, I, I don't I think we could have done a real race 
we could have watched a NASCAR race in the shorter amount of time than we played this game. And for the record, I would never watch a NASCAR race. I am fully against driving in left turns for three hours. So yeah, I, I, my biggest gripe was again, player count that we had, I think four, maybe five max is where I would like to play this again, but I enjoyed it. Can I tell you how happy it makes me every time you enjoy a dice game? I'm so proud. Yeah, I, I like dice games when they the dice are easily used to my will. <laughs> Not just, woo, roll. I, I wouldn't really consider Steampunk Rally a dice game, though. It's a game yeah. with dice. It's not, it's a, it's more like Galaxy Trucker, where it's like a, it's got a spatial reasoning element. You're building your machine through drafting. I don't know that I would consider it a dice game, although you do have to roll dice. Dan had to touch dice, so I guess if that's what we're talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I just, I enjoy that idea. I, touched, I mean, as I said before, when our randomists talk, like if I can roll the dice and then make decisions based off what I rolled, I prefer that much more than making a decision and then rolling dice to see if I succeeded kind of thing. That's where dice games really lose me. Yeah. Cool. Tiff, have you managed to get two games to the table? More Isle of Sky. I don't know if that counts. That's It's currently one of my most played games ever, just because it's so easy to get out to the table. So yeah, I've played that some more. I played some, some dexterity games at Board Game Club, Micro Monsters, which is tiddlywinks. Yeah. I played Coconuts. And I played half a game of King of Tokyo. So Half a game of King of Tokyo. Well, I started, and then uh, once the kid that was watching understood that it was going to be fun and wanted to play, uh, he took my place. I gotcha. Yeah. He's like, no, I'll just watch. I'm like, but you want to jump into here. I, I promise it's going to be fun. And he was reluctant, So, but we got him in there. You're doing good work, Tiff. Uh-huh. Board Game Club is huge. Yeah. I have... I have over 25 kids on the first meeting, and that's not the whole shebang because we have kids that are like participating in cross country right now. Mm-hmm. So once that's over, I'll have more. That's pretty awesome. I need more people to teach rules. It's a lot to be proud of. I'm proud. Uh, if you if you move here and start board game club, then we could teach rules with you. You guys could move to beautiful sunny Ohio. Yeah, about that. So I also got to play Traders of Osaka. <laughs> i want to know about this one yep. it's been on my radar for a long time i enjoy it um so this is a game that i broke out with kel and my mom and actually we played it two days in a row um we broke it out and kel's gonna be writing a review for this for our site nonsensegoalgamers.com very shortly um it's a buying and selling game i guess i it's Difficult to describe it mechanically, but basically what you're doing is you've got um, rows of cards and there's a market and then there's a farm, which will be the new market once the, the round changes. And you do one of three things on your turn. You either pick up cards as money, you either buy all the cards as goods to score points later, or you can reserve a card and you can pick that up on a future turn. So very simplistic and that's why I... I chose to bring it out because I thought I knew Kel could understand it, but mom tends to ask a lot of questions. um, So I try not to give her anything that goes a little too far, but it's a basic game. It's pretty easy. Um, The tricky part is the scoring, though. So as you pick up cards, these little boats will travel along the coastline of Japan and eventually end up in Port City where you will score. And the scoring involves math. Basically, you take your highest card, multiply it by the number of cards, round up to the nearest 5 or 10, and then divide by 
five, I think. So a little funky on the scoring, um, and that gives you some points, gives you some cards to score, and that's what I was worried about, everyone kind of understanding, but we got through the game, everyone understood it. I think I actually lost to mom. I'm not sure, I'd have to think about that again, but uh, it, it went well, and everyone enjoyed it, and the second game, for whatever reason... Ma had a little bit more trouble. She was asking more questions um, than that first time. Maybe I just didn't explain it as well with the refresher, but I was glad to see it get played, and I was glad to see it get played with them specifically because that means that it, I think it's a more accessible game than I originally thought. So I really dig it. And I know Dan got to play this uh, recently when he was at in Seattle. I did. I don't think I like it as much as you do, but it's not bad. I think you touched on the, the weird thing for me is that scoring. I still just can't fathom sitting around in japan wherever this game was designed and these guys just going i've got an idea let's multiply by this divide by this carry the three and then we'll round it up like i'm like huh what like <laughs> i don't know it just sticks out for me and i'm glad to hear that mom picked it up because like you said mom is a really good gauge for accessibility and kind of what we bring to the table not that she's a bad player by any stretch of the imagination but she usually is very good at vetting through questioning kind of thing so yeah she just never feels very confident about what she can do but yeah i i think i'm i'm trying to push her a little bit more because she's a good gamer a game like traders of osaka is not like an intro game but it's a nice next step game it's a good looking game yeah and the, the cards are great the card quality is awesome tiff go buy this game you might like it my thing what is it like 35 bucks i don't think it's worth 35 bucks that's my other um, thing about it I'd have to double check the price. It's not very expensive. I think that, that it's priced about right. It's like a $20 game for me personally. It's a, I think that it gives you, there's a depth of strategy and decision making that is, it's nice for a small box game. You know, I think that that's where the value comes in and the production value is good. So I can, I'm not surprised that it's at that price. Yeah. I'm adding it to my want in trade right now. Well, Dan, anything that you enjoyed a little bit more than Traders of Osaka get to your table? Um, no, just to clarify, I do like Traders of Osaka. Let's talk about Bowser, because I never talk about Bowser. I love that, man. So we got, again, on our Crockpot game day, this is actually how we rounded out the evening. This was at 2.30 a.m. We decided to break out Open Sesame, a press-your-luck memory game <laughs> after 13 hours of eating, gaming, and drinking. We decided to see how well our memories worked. <laughs> this was a game I picked up at Gen Con, kind of on a whim. Obviously, it's Bowser, so I give him full benefit of the doubt. So what you do in this game is players alternate taking turns as the Alibaba, the famed thief. And whoever is the Alibaba will reveal a card from the deck. And in this deck, there are a number of items. Uh, some have more than one copy. Others are strictly unique. And what you're going to do is you're going to reveal the card. And then you're going to put it into your hand. And then starting with the player on your left, they're going to have to say what is in your hand. So if I showed Matt a pillow and Matt was next, he'd say pillow. And then next card I pull up is a camel. And it's Tiff's turn, so she'd have to say pillow, camel. It, it starts out really slow, but it starts to progress as more and more cards are added and duplicates and all kinds of things. And you, you really start to doubt yourself. And if you don't pay attention for a split second, you'll be like, huh? So you'll play until either uh, one person misguesses, so they, they get they get one of the items wrong, uh, or Alibaba decides to stop, and at which point you'll distribute treasure. 
or if I forget what's the third one, Matt. Or if you get if you three get of the three symbols. of the same symbol. Yeah. yeah. So there's some of the cards have these symbols on them, and when that card is revealed, you collect one of these symbol tokens. And if you get three of one symbol or one of all three, then Alibaba loses. That's where the push your luck comes in for yeah. the Alibaba player. Yeah. So again, you're going through and you're like, can I guess it? Can I? I don't remember. And at one point, I just wasn't paying attention because I was just tired and. I just looked at, it was Smee revealed the cards and it was like six in his hand. And I just looked at it and I said, pillow. <laughs> and that's all I had. I couldn't remember the other five cards. Uh, so it was, it was good for some laughs. Um, the, the way you win is at the end of the game, whoever has the most unique treasures. So af- after each round, whatever one of the three uh, win slash lose conditions takes place, you all take turns grabbing a treasure from the, the cards. And then you're trying to have the most unique treasures at the end. So, But you can't look at your treasure pile. So you also have to remember what you've grabbed previously. Yeah. So all kinds of fun memory games to play at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> it's like set yourself up for failure, the board game. It's I pretty think. hilarious. It's it's kind of <laughs> funny. It Like I said, it starts out slow. And it's kind of boring, but then when it ramps up and there's like five or six cards, it starts to get it starts to get fun. Yeah, we managed to get nine cards completed, and it was crazy. Um, that sounds good. Yeah, we played with five. Well, so I'll throw a short contrast in because we also got to play Kabuki, which is the yellow uh, memory game that just came out with Kabuki masks, where basically you're flipping cards onto stacks and when you place a card on a stack if somebody thinks that you've duplicated a mask they yell stop and then you check to see if you have duplicated a mask and obviously the interesting part is all the masks look very similar but there's small differences so which one did you like more dan kabuki or open sesame uh for me i think i like i don't know i think kabuki was was pretty damn hilarious again like open sesame i think is good with um, a larger amount of people just because then you get more cards and it's more people guessing. But I thought Kabuki was pretty scalable. We played with three and I thought it was just as fun as when I played it with six. It was fun. I don't know. I, it was just, they're both good. I Yeah, I think I agree. One's 15 bucks, one's 20. So you yeah. can get them both. We played with five and Kabuki seemed, I guess it was, maybe it was the group, but everyone like we played one of the three rounds and everyone was like, we're pretty much done with it. I don't know. Maybe that stack of cards is just a little bit too big. I don't know. Open Sesame seemed to go over a little bit better. It's just faster, I guess. I don't know. So I should get Open Sesame for my board game club? I like Kabuki better. From my experience, Open Sesame did better with my group, I but I like, I think Kabuki, I like the artwork. I think it's Kabuki was more fun for me. I would say that. I, I think they're both fun, but if I had to pick my favorite child, I have to say Kabuki. And it's beautiful. It's got art from Nighty, who's my favorite. The artist on Takedo. Tiff, for your kids, um, I don't know. Open Sesame could be tough, depending, just because they're younger. Mm. So you might have... I'll go with Kabuki then. Yeah. It's cheaper. Open Sesame thrives when you have players who are willing to push, like, six seven eight cards just for fun kids might be like i i'm not doing that many i'm gonna quit my kids aren't risk takers yeah so 
Kabuki forces you into it. Like you just you have to play the card and just be like, oh well, yeah, whatever. Open Sesame is much more, I guess, pressure luck than Kabuki. Well, cool. Uh, I think that that's pretty good for what we've been playing. We're gonna go ahead and transition into our top of the stack. No break required. Let's just chat quickly um, about what we had on our list for August, what we may or may not have played, and then what we have for September. So, Tiff, how about you just go ahead do August and September? Give it to us. All right, so didn't do so well for August. It's kind of sad because I only put one thing on my list, and that's Takenoko Chibis. I brought my copy of Takenoko to Gen Con in order to get Chibis played, and I thought that Dan would play it with me, but he let let me down, and I didn't get it played. (laughs) I let myself down. I kept forgetting to bring it with me everywhere I went because I was feeling lazy about carrying stuff around. Uh, so I didn't get it played. Shameful. It's really simple. I know. It's really simple. I've read the rules for it a couple of times. Um, so it's not like it's going to be hard to get played. It just didn't make it. And then, like I said, I've been kind of on a board game hiatus since school started, getting caught up with all of the, you know, educational things that I have to do. But yeah, August was miserable for September. I'm going to go back to the three games instead of picking one. I thought by playing it safe I would do better, but clearly I didn't. So if I'm going to be disappointed month by month, I might as well talk about three games. (laughs) (laughs) Nevermore is in my bag and on my list until I get it played. I know the rules. I... It just seems to be cursed right now. So, you know, sometimes I'm ready to do it and then we don't have enough players or no one is into the theme or there's just been a couple of different scenarios where it's come so close and I really want to play it. So I think it's going to get done for September. Piece of Cake is one that I picked up at Board Game Bliss when I ordered just a whole bunch of food related games for no reason. So Sounds about right. You (laughs) order games for no reason? No way. <laughs> well, that are all themed pre- together. <laughs> hey, now, I have played two out of the three. Piece of Cake is the one that I haven't played yet. So um, it's, it's it's got a divvy mechanic where, you know, you, you cut, I choose, uh, which I'm into, and I think my board game club kids could get into. And then I also have Steampunk Rally because I got that from Kickstarter, and you guys liked it, so I want to play it. That's it. Cool. Dan, how about your top of the stack? So for my top of the stack, August, I only played one of three, but that's still more than Tiff. Hooray. Wow. We should start like a running tally like for the year and just see who nails their top of the stack more. You just want a pat on the back because you're so good I don't at want it. A pat Listen, on the back. you have advantages to ins- that I don't have. I'm Dan loves you. competition. I'm trying to inspire you, Tiff. Is that what you're yes. doing? I'm so inspired right now by you kicking me over and over again. For those not seeing us at home, uh, Tiff has a look of inspiration on her face right now. She has a glow. It's Seriously, it's not a halo. It's inspiration. That angel is happy. Oh, that, that might be the window behind her. That's It's likely the yeah, window. Is it's the a window. But uh-huh. still, she's so inspired that the sun came out today. <laughs> Anyways, my three were Discoveries, Hansa Teutonica, and Takenoko Chibis. Uh, I did not play Takenoko Chibis either. Uh, that's mainly due to the worst. Tiff's fault. And Hansa Teutonica, I was expecting the reprint to be at Gen Con, because that was all the rumor on the street. And it wasn't, so I haven't picked this one up yet, so I was obviously not able to play that. 
and discoveries i did play like three or four times so that's that and for september uh my top of the stack is stopher dynasty uh this was picked up on recommendation from a couple of people i got it at cool stuff for about 30 bucks so quite pleased with that looking forward to the rondel i love going in circles viceroy this was one i backed on kickstarter interesting little tableau game where you're building a pyramid of power with no theme third one is river dragons this was one i recently obtained in a trade Uh, i've wanted this for a while it just looks like something silly that i can get out with the family and i love the little buildings of the bridges etc so uh those are my three very cool my three for August were Forbidden Stars, which I don't think I played in August, but I have been playing and I want to play more. Uh, Ashes Rise of the Phoenixborn, which I did get to play. Uh, everyone that I play with seems to like it so far, and that's kind of Kel and I's go-to two-player game right now. And then Abyss plus the expansion doesn't actually exist yet, so of course I did not complete that because I was misinformed. So I sit idly waiting for that to come out. I cannot wait. For September, I'm looking to get Mistfall to the table because I just got my copy from NSKN Games, their uh, Kickstarter fulfillment. It's a fully co-op card game, kind of like a Pathfinder adventure card game kind of thing, but it's got some cool mechanics that separate it, um, and I think it's going to be a better version of that style of game. The Versus System two-player card game, I got the uh, new version, or Dan picked it up for me at Gen Con, and I'm looking to get that played. I have played it once, but... I really want to dig into it more because I think it's a great kind of easy two-player card game that's got kind of like an antiquated feel. It's not as modern feeling, but that kind of makes it easier to get into because it's it's a little simplistic, but I'm digging it. And then I got another Kickstarter fulfillment, which was Evolution the Flight Expansion, which gave me all new updated cards for the base game, plus the new flight board and the new bird powers and things like that. And I really enjoy Evolution quick to play and I enjoy making the the different animals and things like that so I'm hoping to get that to the table for September and that is all three of our top of the stacks for September so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk about some games that have been collecting dust on our shelves so join us then Alright everyone, welcome back. It is time to start chatting about some games that have been collecting dust on our shelves. So Dan, what's your game? Uh, For me, one that I still haven't gotten to play is Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. I was really excited to get the reprint of this because it was was tough to get the original version um, through trade and or expensive to just buy it outright. Um, So when it came out, I picked it up literally the same day it came out I was thinking this is a game i know myself and my wife and mike and i think even you've watched sherlock matt uh the show the one with benedict cumberbatch has kind of reinvigorated my love of sherlock holmes and i've gone on to read it uh, some of the stories again and i was just really excited for this game because you're basically trying to solve a mystery better than sherlock holmes using narrative story booklets and maps and all kinds of fun stuff so it's just one of those games that you can sit around the table with everyone and try and just uh solve this mystery so uh i haven't gotten to play it it's rules are red it's sitting there but it has not left my shelf i even brought it on vacation it didn't get played and it's no fault of anyone's it's just one of those things it just hasn't been touched 
So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, but that's one of those, like, you can't play it. Yeah, I can't. I need to wait. You'll spoil the surprise, right? It's got 10, 10 mis- mysteries to solve. And obviously, if you go ahead and do, I could play it solo. Um, and I've thought about it a couple times, but then it, if I went to play it again with everyone, I already know the solution. So it kind of spoils it in that way. So I'm, it's just, that's why it keeps sitting on my shelf because I really want to play it with other people. I just haven't had a chance to. So I might still just try one to see how it works. There's still nine other ones. And there's actually, I think, I think the expansion is going to be out in English very soon. So I might try one just to see how it plays. I'm curious about that one. We were at the game store looking at the store copy of it last week and I love Sherlock Holmes, and at Origins, I was looking at an RPG that's based in that world, so I hope you like it, so I am motivated to play it. RPG. That's what I said. Play the RPG. But let's go back. (laughs) I would like to do that. We'd need to find a way to do that. Let's try to do that. (laughs) internet. It's a magical place. Okay, well, let's get the calendar going. (laughs) Um, scheduler guy let's go so one of the games that has been collecting dust for me is cyclades this is a bruno cathala design that is uh, set in ancient greece and basically it's got an auction mechanic with some dudes on the map kind of stuff where you're trying to build cities or civilizations or, or whatever the term is but basically you're maneuvering around the map in an attempt to build these things and win the game and you also get the ability to control different ancient beasts and monsters and things like that um, all while kind of battling against your opponents and it's one that I got for Christmas and I was very excited it was a great pool by my mom to kind of figure out this game that I wanted and it's got a couple expansions that are out there that I hear are also great and I think it's a game that if I can get into and I have some people willing to play it I would love to like dig into those expansions and and collect and kind of see what all this game is about because it seems like a game that mechanically I would enjoy and I really enjoy the theme, but it's just one that I haven't gotten to the table. I know that there was some disinterest from people in the group. Um, I don't know how much of that is they actually know about the game or you know they just don't feel like learning a new game sometimes so it, it just hasn't gotten to the table for whatever reason so it's collecting dust but dan i know you got to play this and that it might not be all that bad right yeah i played this at origins uh, i got in a two-player game with uh patrick hillier thanks patrick for teaching um after he had kind of uh, mentioned on twitter that i may have had some misconceptions about the game because to me, it's it's often compared to like something like Kemet, and I don't like Kemet. So, and I don't really do war games either, or like heavy conflict games. Those just always kind of get on my nerves, and just I lose interest in them quick. So I was I just kind of wrote this one off. But he's like, ah, try it, try it. So we got in a two player game, which is probably not the best count for it, but it was a good learning game. Um, we got this in on that Sunday, so it was, it was nice to just relax, sit back, and have a chat while playing this. Um, it's it's cool. I don't know about learning like and getting so deep into it that we need expansions, but I would play it again. I like I I, I liked I like the base mechanism, the auction kind of thing. Uh, auctions are usually hit or miss for me, so I need to see how it plays with more players other than just the two. Two is a little bit. I don't want to say cutthroat but you're just like okay i bid that oh no i bid that okay <laughs> like so I don't, I don't know if it's 
cutthroat or just kind of passive but it's one of, <laughs> it's one or the other like it was just, it was a kind of a weird combination so yeah it's good cool um yeah so hopefully i can get that that to the table soon but tiff what is collecting dust on your giant 400 game shelves nearly everything really for the last month but uh the game i chose is representative of a class of game now in my collection and that is things that have arrived that i haven't even taken out of the shipping box yet so i chose wonky because i ordered it right after gen con it looked great at gen con but i just didn't want to carry around another game so i ordered it because i thought my kids really like dexterity games i really like dexterity games it's colorful it's got weird wobbly blocks what could possibly go wrong and what went wrong is I didn't even take it out of the shipping box, along with Viceroy and several other things that arrived around the Gen Con time, and they're just kind of sitting there in the shipping box. I know what's in there, but I haven't played any of them. Hey, Tiff. Hmm. Leave those games in the shipping box. And just ship them to you? Uh, no, I don't want them. Leave them in... Oh. Oh. I, I... Dan, did you like Wonky? No. Yeah, I... I did not. It was kind of wonky. It was all right. I think your kids might like it. <laughs> your kids might like I, it, I, but I, in terms of dexterity games, there are better dexterity games. Yeah, the dexterity element was just not as exciting. It wound up like, you know, stacking the blocks. It wound up being like, okay, you got to like three, maybe four, and then it fell kind of thing. It was. I mean, I had an epic win to put like a block on a tower of seven, and I won the game off of that, but that was the only moment. I I was underwhelmed to say the least. I wish our audience could see the look of disappointment in my I'm eyes sorry. right now. I mean, you like I said, you got a different group. You may love it, Tiff, and we we just might be wrong. We don't like fun, but I mean, yeah, I, I well, like fun, but the, you do like fun, <laughs> but and occasionally Dan does too. So we'll we'll give him a little, throw him a bone. But uh, no, I don't know. It's simple. So like right now, I need games that the kids can teach themselves. And I feel yeah. like that's one that'll be okay. And I have a lot of little sixth graders that have joined up this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're being introduced to these games for the first time. So maybe it'll fit in that category. Fair enough. Dust it off. Bring it out. It's going to happen. Just don't get excited. <laughs> this is like <laughs> such a sad, sad podcast. I just, it's making me reflect way too much about how many games I haven't played. It's kind of our MO here on the Podcast of nonsensical gamers. Sadness. The reality and disappointment. of disappointment. We keep it real. But hey, that is what's collecting dust on our shelves. Some of it should stay there, some of it should be dusted off. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to jump in to our final segment, which is year one Pong trivia. <laughs> Alright everyone, welcome back for our final segment of today's show. It is the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers Year 1 Anniversary Trivia. I have compiled a bunch of different questions, like 10, and I am going to quiz Dan and Tiff on how well they know this show that they kind of have a presence on, you know. So I'm going to go through and I'm going to keep score to see how well y'all do. And we'll see who really knows this podcast. 
And I'm going to kick it off with question number one, which is how many total individual episodes, including minisodes and contests, have we released? A, 38, B, 28, C, 40, or D, 52? I think it's 38. That would be my guess. Daniel? Ditto. Look at you two. I'm so So proud of you. (laughs) It's like you belong here. Question number two is what was the first tabletop game ever mentioned on the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers? It has to do with Tiff's introduction. And I'm not going to give you multiple choice answers right away. I'm going to see how well you guys can do. Dan? First ever game? I have an idea. Like, it's, well, I don't want to help Dan, though. I'm just going to say Settlers of Catan, because that's the first game anyone ever mentions when they introduce themselves. True. And that is, I think, either that or Dominion, the first hobby game that I ever played, but... Mm, yours could be, if it's you, it could be Pandemic. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it might be Pandemic. It could also be Dungeon, because my grandma had a copy of, like, the 70s version of that, and so I played that before all of this crap. I don't think I've ever heard you talk about Dungeon. Yeah, well, But that's cool. Tell your grandma, thanks. Yeah, she's the best. <laughs> um, she doesn't listen, though, so. Uh, I'm going to go Pandemic. You both are awful hosts. <laughs> because the first game was Magic the Gathering, the collectible card game. Because Tiff had a magic problem, apparently. I did. And I'm going to take that as me scoring a point, because that's just how it goes. (laughs) If we both get it wrong, you win. Yes. All right. So what episode did we establish Tiff's role as our resident hipster gamer? At, At what episode did we talk about how Tiff is just, she loves hipster games that don't come in English and that only she can find? The more she has to pay for shipping, the better. Was it episode four? Episode 5, Episode 1, or Episode 10? Tiffany uh, B. I feel like it was a, a at least a few episodes in. Um, Maybe Episode 5. Ain't wrong. Episode 1. Boom. Dan's awesome. Dan is technically correct on the answer, not necessarily Damn that it. he's awesome. Yep, we make fun of Tiff in the very first episode about really? how all the games she have are probably hipster games that we've never heard of. Oh. Man, that was a long time ago. It was so actually ago. a year ago. Yeah, yeah. So, question number four, what was our first ever discussion topic? Was it the role of the reviewer? Was it the obligatory Kickstarter discussion? Was it party gaming with heavier gamers? Or was it playing versus collecting? Well, it wasn't anything about party games. I know that for sure. I think I know that for sure. I would not um, talk about party games, more than likely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, me either. I hate party yeah. games. Wow, um, you guys are just uppity as <laughs> censorship. <laughs> I, we just have taste, is the way I like to look at I'm it. I'm pretty sure there are entire podcasts dedicated to party gaming. I'm sorry are. for the... Uh, that's just not my bag. Well, what what, what did we talk about? It's either obligatory Kickstarter or the other one that sounds like it might be it. Or the other one. Okay, well, your pick. 
the role of the reviewer. <laughs> Kickstarter episode three. Boom. Dan is awesome. Role of the reviewer. Dan is cheating. I'm not cheating. <laughs> Dan is cheating. I'm not cheating. I have nothing to cheat off of. Dan is correct, and Tiff is boom. Bow to my awesomeness, Tiff. All right, don't, well, good luck with this next bow, one. Then we'll, don't bow just yeah, yet. Question five. It, it, I know. Geez, Sexist. Is roughly how many, of our, how many hours of content have we produced for everyone? It'd be worse if you said curtsy. 100 hours, 84 <laughs> hours, 31 hours, Milady. or 43 hours. Could you repeat those? I wasn't listening. I'm sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> I'm sorry, there are no repeats. Um, I'm going to say give or take 11 billion. Well, since I didn't hear any of the choices because I was not paying attention. What was the one in the 50s? There actually isn't one in the 50s. <laughs> Dan sucks. Boom. Mr. Connery, that's S-words. <laughs> so you both get zero for that one. And the answer was around 43 hours of content for our dear listeners. You could almost listen to us for two straight days. Wow. Why you would want to, I Don't have no do idea. Don't do that. Buckfutter. <laughs> Question number six. Roughly how many different games have we discussed in the last year? 225, 112, 84, or 430? It's not 430. I can't count that high. And it's definitely, like, are we talking, like, mentions or, like, reviewing or, like, what we've been playing? All of that. Like, all of yeah, it. generally speaking, like games that we've talked a little bit in depth about mechanics and things like that. 212, boom, Dan. You know it, awesome. What's what's one less than Dan? 212 is not an option. One less <laughs> is I, I'm going to be <laughs> I'm going to be prices right rules. I choose one. And then um, if Dan well, is Price wrong, is Right rules, Dan would technically win. Damn he said 212, which is not an option, <laughs> because the correct answer is 225, roughly. Oh. Uh, so he would be closest without going over, which means that he gets to play Plinko now. <laughs> I love job, How does Dan. Plinko work for audio? Ting, 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 ting. Yeah, you just hear the beeping noise. <laughs> and then the oh, or the yay. That thing. Oh no! Is that in prices? Don't do that, that one. What you listeners don't know is that Dan has done that a hundred times the morning of this recording. Thanks, Tiff, yep. for bringing it back. <laughs> Callbacks. All right, friends. How many guests have we had join us on the podcast? Five, eleven, fifteen, or nine? Nine. Final answer. Counting on my fingers right now. You can't hear that. Well, Tiff, two of the answers Nine. are more than you have fingers. Oh, you both are Nine. incorrect because oh. it's a trick question because it includes Steve and Smee, who were technically guests on our podcast. They so it is nine outsiders plus our two in-house guests makes 11. I will give you each half a point for not being awful. <laughs> and the follow-up is how many of those guests have ever come back and who was it have come back or wanted to come back <laughs> have come back one it's, matt riddle it's one 
Hey. Sorry, Tiff. You're stealing my thunder. It's one Matt Riddle. Tiff. Boom. Oh my god, it's that's what right. I was gonna say. Thanks, thanks, Matt Riddle. It's gonna be two though at the end of this month. Because our very first guest, Mr. Randy Hoyt, will be joining us again. How many different segments do we have on this podcast, everyone? 11, 5, 14, or 9? 14. 14. The correct answer is too many. 14. <laughs> we have a lot of segments, and we try to rotate them regularly. Good job, everyone. Boom. Awesome. We have two more questions. Oh my gosh. So many questions. Question number 10 is what episode did we switch to our beloved theme song, Whistle vs. Ukulele vs. Kazoo? Um, episode 4, Episode 3, Episode 5, or Episode 9? Oh, it's 3, 4, or 5. I want to say 3. Dan? Because we had weird electronica for a couple, at no, least a couple it of was, episodes. Uh, gangster rap for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Which I Didn't still we have electronica love. porn had, music for a little while? We had electronica uh, interlude bumper oh. music. Yeah, oh, we right. had a bunch. Whenever of like, Dan edits the podcast, we get electronica bumper music. You know it. You know it. When I do it, it's sweet, sweet polka. Yeah, electronic polka. Because you can't get away from the beat. The beat just. It just penetrates you, Tiff. <laughs> so, uh, did Dan actually answer I, the I question don't think yet? He did. Yeah, let me did. go with. This is like a trick. He's he's like looking it up right now. No, I'm not. He's I'm, distracting us. I'm really pensive. Um, I'm gonna go with three as well. <sighs> you both are correct. Episode one and two. The two episodes you should never listen to if you want to maintain fandom. <laughs> episode rough episode intro two, music. shit. Don't listen to episode two. Episode one is cute. It's cute. It was adorable. <laughs> so, question 11, the final question. If you were a listener of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers and you wanted to show the excellent and hardworking hosts how much you cared about them, what would you do? Would you visit them on BGG Guild number 2077? Would you leave a review for the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher? Would you give the podcast page a like on Facebook and strike up a conversation? Or would you email them at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com with kind words, show suggestions, and feedback? Can you do all of the above? It was not an option. Uh... But all of the above. I'm kidding. It's a trick question. Do all of those things, please. Um, F. High five me. Yep. <laughs> Dan says, High five, not even a cool fist bump. Please retract your iTunes reviews and instead deliver Dan one high five. And it's even better if we both jump before we high five. I hope people try to do that, like, at cons and stuff. They better be tall. Otherwise, they're just going to hit me in the chest. <laughs> when I see you at BGGCon, I'm going to try it. Okay. Yeah, you're so short. You'll probably hit me. I'll bring a ramp. It'll be great. I'll bring a ramp. This needs a running start. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to get hit in the nowhere land because she's tiny. Tiff's going to bring her high five chair. Yeah. All right, everyone. I'm going to get hit in my man maple, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
with a final score of more to less, Dan is the winner of trivia. And before this goes any further with talks about man meeples. Boom. Uh, awesome. We are going to wrap up this very strange episode of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. And we want to thank you all for listening for the past year. And hopefully we have another year or 12 to come. And yeah, I said 12, Tiff. You're going to be friends Tiff with us will for be a long old. time. You'll be just as old. But slightly We're the same younger. age. Did you know that I, I'm i like 33 now. I've been thinking for this past like four months that I'm 32. That's, that's FYI, old age. Everyone. It's memory. It's yeah, going. I know. It's, going. it's starting to set in. I had to do the math last night when someone asked me and I was like, holy crap. As long as you still check female on your applications, <laughs> that would be problemsome. Problemsome? Problemsome. <laughs> So we will celebrate Tiff's 45th birthday soon on the podcast because we will be around for 12 more years. Well, she won't remember it. No, nope, she'll think it's her 38th birthday. That's how it's got to be. I assume the memory gets worse as we go. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, if you want to, to reach out to us or anything like that, just listen to question 11 of the trivia. That's what I'm going to say for our closing now, just like question 11. Um, or you can reach out to us on Twitter to talk to us personally. Dan, if they want to find you, where can they do that? At League Nonsense or at Scandalous underscore Nad if you want to see what my other hobbies are. If you want to talk about his man meeple. Tiff? I didn't go there, Matt. <laughs> Tiff? Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, you can... That's going to need to be um... edited. That was loud. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was really loud. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can. Fi- I can. Sorry, that's, I was surprised. That's cool. Go ahead, little John. Uh, I- what? Peace up, A Town Down. I'm at inept gamer, and I am at cinnamon buns spelled phonetically. Thank you all, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Toodles. Bye. <laughs> Where? <laughs>